Right, okay. Uh, Brazen Serpent, if we get a move on, it won't take long. We can go and chill out somewhere else. Okay, Brazen Serpent, the Israelites are in the wilderness. And uh, as was often the case, the Israelites had been taken out. They saw all these miracles, but they complained all the time. And so they they mm-hmm. were really unhappy about the um, food and no water and everything else. Okay, so uh, Numbers 21, verse 4. They journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. And it says in verse 6, it says, So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole, and so it was. If a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. You know the story. Yeah. And um, it's quite... You know, what's that got to do with God's healing and divine healing? But I think it's a really interesting point of, uh, of it's a, an interesting Old Testament type of healing. So, what's it referring to? What is the type? Uh, belief? Well, yeah, it is that. That is a, looking, an interesting like, point. Be- yeah, believing that yeah. this can do that. For yes, you. absolutely. That's a really good point. Yeah. What's it referring to? What's the event it's referring to? It's not. Cross. The cross. cross. Yeah, the cross. Cross. <laughs> but people get a bit confused with this because why would God send? Why would God put a a bronze serpent on the cross, on this pole as type of the cross. It's a bit weird, isn't it? Because we know that the serpent was a cursed creature. And I think sometimes people get a bit confused as to why that is a type of the cross, because Jesus wasn't cursed, or was he? Yeah. Because he took on. He took on, didn't he? So, so it's this same issue of he took on what was ours that we didn't have to have what was ours and the consequence of looking at the cross was the people were healed so they recovered from their snake bites now just as a little kind of aside here um you know people get a bit confused about this whole issue of um god sending fiery serpents to kill the people But actually, in the Old Testament, they were under a law covenant. And that law covenant was, if you obey the law, you will be protected. You will live in blessing. If you disobey the law, then there is a consequence of disobedience. And I think what this is about, I mean, if you you go to these places even today, there's snakes all over the place. I think the issue is God's protection. 
So actually God was protecting them from the snakes and eventually they complained and murmured and turned against God so much that they themselves walked out of his protection. So I don't believe God sat in heaven and threw a few snakes down. There's loads of snakes in that wilderness even today. Really interestingly, um, there's this film being made about the Bible. I'm not sure which one it is. It's a, it's a Hollywood film, but it's about, I don't know if it's about, anyway, it's about a part of the Bible. And um, there's this um, interview with the directors of the film, and they were saying that they, they filmed in Morocco, I think, and they were saying the day that they filmed the crucifixion scene, um, they had to employ a snake catcher on, on the set because there were so many snakes in the, in the area that he went out first thing and killed all the snakes. And the day they filmed the crucifixion, there was more snakes caught than ever, apparently. Yeah. Um, so I think we sometimes get a bit confused about, about the God of the Old Testament because we think, well, God threw fiery serpents down and, and killed people. But I think what happened is people themselves walked out of the protection that God had promised them in the covenant that they had in those days. So, um, and God's heart was always that people would be free. So, um, so this is just another type of the cross. And there's another couple of um, references to this, okay. So if you look in John 3, so there's the famous John 3, 16 verse that we all know, but a couple of verses before this, uh, which is 14 and 15, so John 3, it says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So, so this is Jesus speaking. He's saying, He's talking about his own crucifixion. So he's prophesying his own crucifixion and saying it's the same as when Moses lifted up the, the um, serpent in the wilderness. And then he says that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, which is what you're saying, Josh. It's about looking, actually looking at a statue of a serpent on a pole has no healing power at all. It was just the issue of obedience to what God had said and believe, them believing that if they did what God had said, he would do what he'd said. So Jesus himself, even just before this famous, that, you know, for God so loved the world verse, he's saying that he's going to be crucified. And, and that is what Moses was uh, foretelling when he lifted up the, the serpent in the wilderness. Okay. And then if you go to Galatians I think we might have mentioned this before because we, we talked about it. Um, you remember in Deuteronomy, there's this whole, this whole um, set of blessings and curses. And I think uh, we, we did look at them, didn't we? I mean, not in detail, but we did mention them, didn't we? Say yes or say no. Okay, in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy 28... There's this massive long chapter and it says there are blessings of obedience. And that is if you, so this is, it was a conditional covenant. So if you obey the voice of the Lord, observe all his commandments, then, and then it gives all the blessings. So there was an amazing blessing for obedience to the covenant. And that was you'd be high above all the nations. Uh, blessings will overcome you, you're blessed in the city, blessed in the country, all these verses that you probably know about, uh, we've sung lots of songs about them, but uh, you'll be fruitful in your body, fruitful in your herbs, blessed with your basket, your bread, 
blessed, 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 blessed. It's kind of like okay. Matthew 6, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. All that blessed of yeah. 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 Um, so that was, uh, that ends with, so you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to go to the right or left or go after other gods to serve them. So God was basically saying, if you stay true to me, if you stay in obedience, if you keep the law, then there is this blessing. But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. So there was a consequence of disobedience. And unfortunately, I think there's about 68, it's two pages of curses. And it's horrible. And a lot of it is sickness. A lot of it is being overtaken by your enemies. Um, it's just not great reading, you know. Um, and it ends with, the Lord will bring upon your descendants extraordinary plagues, great and prolonged plagues, serious prolonged sicknesses. Uh, he will bring back on you all the diseases of Egypt of which you were afraid, and they shall cling to you. It's, it's horrible, okay? It's really horrible. I don't know why they disobeyed the law, because this is quite frightening. Um, so what that basically means to me is, you know, all of sickness and all of that is part of the curse. It's part of, of, of not being in blessing. Okay? And, and people develop a lot of theology from these, uh, these verses. But if you read Galatians 3, I think you can cut out a lot of that theology. So Galatians 3 says, in verse 10, it says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. So that means if you are under the law, that then you are basically under a curse. And it says, for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. So they had a really difficult situation with the law in that the standard of keeping the law was 100%. Mm -hmm. It wasn't graded and if you got 75%, you passed. And if you got you know 60%, you failed. It was 100%. And if you failed in one aspect of the law, you failed in all of it. So you had to be a perfect lawkeeper or you were a, a lawbreaker. And that's why we've, you know, we've talked a number of times about the fact that God really never intended men to live by law. It doesn't, it doesn't work. We weren't created to live under this right and wrong. We weren't created to live under rules because basically it makes us sinful. It, it, it makes the law makes things sin exceedingly sinful. We, we, we end up wanting to do things because we can't do them that we would never have done if we didn't have the restriction. There's, there's a lot of issues with the law, but if you are under the law, the consequence of living under the law is there is a curse associated with the law, and that means if you don't do it, you are cursed. Now, whether that means God sits in heaven and, you know, <coughs> throws down firebolts, you know, just to prove that he's God, or whether it means that you yourself are just walking out of the blessing that he has provided for you. <coughs> I think that's okay. what it is. Okay. Mm. Then he says, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. So God's just saying it's, it's not the way. Even if you do the whole law, it doesn't make you just, doesn't make you correct. Um, for the just shall live by faith. So God always made it that how you got right with God and how you lived a right life is by believing in him. And that's why Abraham was justified by faith. And that was even before the law. And the law is not of faith. 
but the man who does them shall live by them. So if you choose the law, if you want to live in the law, you can, but you've got to live by it. And when you live by the law, you have got some horrible curses to deal with if you don't do it all 100%. 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Really good news. That is really good news. You read some of the curses of the law. It's bad. Really bad. So he has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And this is, this is it. Having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And that was part of the law. So the fact that Jesus hung on the cross, which is a tree, right? It's made of wood. Uh, is how he became a curse for us. So as part of the law, if you were hung, you became a curse, um, which is why they stoned people and didn't hang them. Um, so Jesus hanging on a tree is how he became a curse for us. Okay? So that's that's this kind of type of this curse, which is why Jesus is a... The, the brazen serpent is a part of the type of the cross. And the good news is, if we look at the cross, we get healed because healing is in the cross healing isn't in begging god now to try and heal you healing is in the fact that he did it on the cross and part the whole uh, one of the whole issues of sickness is that it's part of the curse of the law and we're not under the law and we're not under the curse of the law anymore so it's uh it's it's just good news you know we don't have to live in the in the um of the law. Now, that's why I've kind of shifted quite a bit, and, and we talked about it a little bit yesterday, about this whole issue of generational curses, about this whole issue of the fact that we all know that there are influences on us from our past, and um, certainly in the you know, in the cultures where they have been more actively involved in idolatry, worshipping ancestors, witchcraft i you know those kind of open idolatry kind of things they they do seem to have a it does seem to have a stronger hold on them this whole thing and and my my kind of and even you know in the 70s there were loads of books written about blessings and curses and all this kind of stuff and we all read it and i think some of us did get set free and even in the when I first started going to Kingsway, we, you know, we used to have this these kind of weekends where you'd have this whole sheet of have you ever been involved in occult witchcraft, blah 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 blah, Ouija board, I don't know what it was, sexual sins, blah 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 blah, and then you go through it all and you try and get rid of all your demons from all of that stuff. And I'm not saying there's no consequence. Okay, if you've been into dabbling in witchcraft and whatever, then you know probably you do need to. You know not not do that anymore and you know deal with that but i think what happens is you get into this whole system of believing that as a christian you can be cursed and i think if you believe as a christian you can be cursed then you probably will live that lifestyle but i think from this my stance is I'm not any longer under anything that can curse me. I'm not because he's redeemed me and become a curse for me. And there isn't any longer um, 
there is no curse of the law for me. Number one, because I'm not under the law. And secondly, because he became a curse for me anyway. And I think, I think it gives you a stronger, a stronger place to stand. Because I think if you're always worried about, is this a curse? Have I been cursed? Has somebody cursed me? You know, did my great granddad do this and therefore I'm living in the consequence of that? I think if you believe it, then it happens. But I think if you stand there and say, well, I don't know what my great granddad did, but I'm a new creation and I've been redeemed from the curse of the law and he became a curse for me that I don't have to live under any curse at all, I think you're free already. And I think it's a better way of living. Having experienced the consequence of believing that as a Christian you have to work out and dig out and dig up every possible curse that has ever potentially affected you, might have affected you, didn't affect you, and always blaming the fact that it must be a curse that's outside of your control that is causing the circumstances in your life. And I think in a way that's a bit of an excuse really for, for um, just not living in the wholeness and fullness of who you are. Now I, I know people will argue with me and I know we've all, and probably I also have been set free from something um, that has hindered me from my past. But I think if you look at the Sozo model of how that works, rather than seeing it as a curse, I think you see it as, what lie am I believing? Rather than some external thing that has uh, you know, affected you beyond your control. Um, even we saw in Ezekiel, you know, God says, I'm not going to punish the sons for the sins of the fathers that's old testament and he said i'm not going to do that so why now in the new testament would we be punished for the sins of our forefathers so i i've really changed my opinion on this and to be honest i'm much happier having changed my opinion because i think otherwise you you're forever you're forever kind of wondering and forever self-seeking to try and find something rather than looking at jesus and saying thank you i'm not under a curse and I, I should have looked this scripture up. I, I'm not sure if you know it, but there's a scripture in Proverbs that says something like a cause, a curse without a cause is, is like a... Have you got... Can you look it up? Proverbs? Yeah, it's a, I mean, have you got a phone? If you, just, if you just Google a curse without a cause or something. I, actually, I can do it on this, but let me just see. Let's see if I can do it. Three. Uh, Proverbs 26, 2. It says, uh, Like a flitting sparrow, like a flying swallow, so a curse without cause shall not alight. And basically what it's saying is, a curse can come, but if it's got no place to land, it can't land. Uh, like a, like a, you know, a bird that is like a swallow that's just flying around. It's there, but it's not actually landing. And I think, I think, if a curse has a place to land, it will land. But I think the only place it has to land is unbelief. And that unbelief is believing that you can be cursed or 
believing that your great granddad did something and therefore it's going to affect you or believing that because you did something wrong you're going to be punished or believing whatever lies it is that you believe which Isozo has helped you to discover lies are a great resting place for cursing to be honest can I ask you a question? you can ask me a question <laughs> um, yeah so I think you know the El El Ministry. I do know the El El Ministry. <laughs> What's that? What's that? El El Ministry. It's a lovely ministry. It's a healing ministry. And they really strongly go into looking at your past and looking for where you have been cursed and what is the root cause of your sickness. Right. Okay. I would say. Is that, is that fair? Yeah. British. British. Uh, yeah, it's from Britain, but we have also uh, one. They are also stationed in Germany, in places next to where I live. And uh, so I made also a year, and I know a lot of people who made it. And you say a curse can only land if you uh, allow it to. Well, I didn't yeah. say that, I'm quoting the Proverbs. Yeah, you yeah. quoted it, but <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's. A lot of people who are there are not aware that they are cursed. It's just they, they don't really think about it. And then if the people from LL talk about that stuff, they recognize, oh, that is really happening in my life, or things like that. And then they pray together and they get set free. And so what do you do with that topic when you say you don't think that you can't be cursed for the sin of your parents? Because it's, I think it's also one scripture that um, a blessing is for the next 1,000 generations and a curse for the next I don't know, three or four mm. generations. So what do you do with those? But that's Old Testament, right? Yeah, but yeah, but I think it's uh, New Testament is yeah. It's not to say the Old Testament is not right. No, but that was related to the law. It was in relation to the law, and we're not under the law anymore. And how how do you then explain that that it really works? Was well, LL ministry okay. I think God works in, in lots and lots of different ways. And I think if you take time to spend time with God and somebody's praying for you and laying hands on you and giving attention to you and you've come to God to say, God, what is it? I think you're already in an environment where God is just going to do something. And I think it's not because our human methods necessarily are right. and. I have seen loads of people who have spent weeks and months trying to dig up their past to work out why it is that they're sick and they just never get better. Um, I'm not saying people don't get set free with LL, they do get set free by that ministry. Um, but I think it's like deliverance, you see, people get kind of concerned about demons and whatever. And I think demons are probably one of the easiest things to deal with. Oh, yeah. Because they have to go. Yeah. And that, there's really no issue with demons. Yeah. But the issue with demons is if you don't change the way you think, 
after you're delivered, it's just going to come straight right back. That's not because the demon is powerful. It's because we haven't renewed our own minds to change the way we think, to change the way that we live our lives. And I, I think I think some of this, I, I mean, I, I don't know what happens when you renounce your grandparents' involvement in Freemasonry or whatever. I, I don't understand the dynamic of, of that whether it is a demon that's attached to a curse and the demon flies off, I don't know. Um, or whether it's just you yourself feel like you've been set free from it and therefore you live in a, no longer in fear of it. You've got rid of the fear. And I accept what you're saying, that maybe they didn't have any fear before El Al told them they should be afraid and then they got set free from the fear. I don't know. I think God, God wants us free and he will use anything. Uh, to set us free but that doesn't mean to say it's like the blessing that we live in is not evidence that what we're doing is right it's just because God blesses so God's blessing doesn't mean he endorses our method it's just he's a blesser and I, I think you can skip the LL by just believing you're not under su subject to being cursed so that's what I think. So, can I ask you a question? One minute. On? Only because, and I'll, I'll tell you, I, I will. Jesus never did it. He laid on, hands on the sick and they were healed. And the problem with things like El Al and the ministry I was in before, it takes months and months and months and people aren't always healed. Mm. This recording is going to be excellent. Yeah. Go on. You can interrupt oh. me in a minute. <laughs> um, so my, my dad has got like a lot of illness that my grandfather also has. Yeah. Like prostate problems, hip yeah. problems, heart hypercholesterolemia. Yeah. Um, and, and it's carried down. I mean, you know, my dad is a Christian yeah. and totally believes in Jesus, totally with yeah. John Crowder. He totally believes he's a new <laughs> creation, he's free. Like, you know, yeah. uh, that's his belief yeah. or so so why is he undergoing these generational curses well is it a generational curse is that what it is or is it a genetic predisposition which has come down the well so it's a genetic predisposition yeah. which is different. but i don't know that we have to live within our genetic predisposition i don't think we do yeah i don't think we do either no but um it's like is it is you think it's to do with the subconscious belief um, no, I don't think so. I, I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, but I don't think that God withholds healing for genetically inherited things. And there are, so, you know, it's... So I don't know is that answer. But I don't... You see, if it was a curse, then why is it such a big problem? In a way, if it was a curse, then... Easy to do. It's dealt with, yeah, yeah. Because it's just not ours to have. No. So um, I wish I had an easy answer uh, for that one, but I, I don't. I guess it's seeking out the Holy Spirit yeah. in most cases. And I and I wish if if he went to whatever ministry and dealt with all the generational curses and immediately got better, then I think I would. I'm not saying nobody gets set free from that ministry. They do get set free from the ministry. 
Um, but I think it's just not a clear-cut issue that every time you renounce your past view, which therefore says, if we if we believe that we're correct, then curses are more powerful than Jesus. And I don't believe that. So I know I'm not answering the question as to then why isn't everybody healed and why do Christians get sick? That's a different issue. But I think we're never going to see the reality of healing as long as we've got our theology wrong or believing that you see if you believe that a curse is so powerful that it can overcome the healing power of Jesus then you're going to be sick mm, you're definitely going to be sick I've got another question sorry Can I don't I mind questions it's fine are you you yeah. go you go <laughs> no it's tag the question I think it's just not that easy for me because yeah that LL ministry is really connected so they they are in our church building, yeah. Yeah. and um, yeah, also the, I don't know the English word, it's a bit like the uh, auntie, auntie of my girlfriend, um, she's also um, one of the members of that, and yeah, we just hear a lot of stories out of that, Fantastic. see a lot of things happen, and, and yeah, that's why, why it's yeah, not that easy for me yeah. because I, I really see uh, a lot of things happening. Yeah. yeah, but I just think what I would question is of those people who get sick, set free, what really happened? You don't just know. Just getting better. Yeah, yeah getting, but no did they idea. get better because they dealt with their fear? Did they get better because, because what, what was the mechanics behind them getting better? And I think we don't know. We yeah, really don't know. And I think God is God and he's good. Um, but Jesus didn't do it. He didn't have to go through all that process to heal the sick. He laid hands on the sick and they recovered. And so, I mean, you could say that about Sozo. You could say, well, why do we need to get Sozo? Because we're all whole already. And I think we're human beings who are you know, not yet seeing the reality of living in perfect health and perfect, you know, we're not yet in our glorified bodies. We're not yet seeing the fullness, although it is ours to have. And that's the gap between the reality of who we really are and the, you know, the faith that we live in to pull the reality of heaven down onto earth. And yes, if, if Elal helps, that's great. But I think if you're basing a ministry on the fact that you are cursed, until you have this ministry, I think I have a problem with that. Um, but that doesn't mean to say it doesn't work. Because you're probably dealing with stuff like getting rid of fear, which counteracts faith. You're probably dealing with just laying hands on the person, praying for them. You, you, you know, you're probably dealing with all sorts of other things. But I'm tired, to be honest. I've spent years and years of you know, trying to dig out the root cause of sickness, and it doesn't generally result in people getting better from cancer or diabetes or whatever. They might get free from, I'm sure it all works quite well with things with emotional issues, and there are quite a lot of diseases that are, are probably associated with things like unforgiveness. And I'm sure Elal will deal with stuff of unforgiveness because part of that process is forgiving the person. And I think maybe the mechanism is not they were cursed and now they're not, but 
they were living in unforgiveness and now they're not. So it might be that it's something like that. But if Elal is setting people free, fantastic. I don't have any problem with it at all. I just think if you believe that if you're sick, you are cursed, then you've got a real difficult theology of the cross. Because it meant that the cross did not set you free from a curse. You need something else as well, uh, which is some kind of ministry or some kind of extra wisdom. Uh, and then who knows what else we might get cursed by. So, I think about it. I'm not, you know, I'm just, my journey is I'm kind of through with all of that because I just don't think I can be cursed. Um, and, you know, if my grandfather, I'm a new creation, I'm not living in the, in the consequence of what my granddad did or my dad did or whatever. Um, and part of the cross was he became a curse for us that we, we don't have to live in the consequences of being cursed, I would say. But it works. Loads of things work. You know, it's, we can't know the, we can't know it, but I just think if you, if you, I'm sure if you look at the cross, you can get healed as much as you can by, you can lay hands on the sick and they recover as much as you can by going through every possibility. The reason I really don't like it, not particularly because of LL, is because you end up in this horrible situation with the sick where somehow they are responsible or their family is responsible and you get this separation and and this kind of, you know, well, you deserve to be sick because your dad did this or your dad did that. And it, it just, I think it alienates sick from unity of knowing that they are well. And it, it, it causes fear and separation. So if you're sick, you're kind of saying, you know, God, what has gone wrong, where, what. And I think there is a place in sickness and in healing where, where you probably do have to come to God and say, God, is there something here? I'm not saying that you never come before God and say, God, I've got this sickness and I'm not receiving healing. I've not yet, you know, received the healing. Is there something in it? I think that's a question we really have to ask. And I think we really have to listen to the question. And if God says... Yeah, it's because you're smoking 60 cigarettes a day, then probably there's wisdom there. And if God says, yes, it's because you're sleeping with six women a night, then there's probably an issue there. And if God says it's unforgiveness, because unforgiveness causes a root of bitterness to grow up, and that you know is associated with lots of different kinds of sickness and diseases. And I've heard stories, you know, of God saying, it's because you're eating tomatoes, and they stop eating tomatoes and they get better. I'm not going to make a theology of no, never eating a tomato, because thus says the Lord, thou shalt not eat tomatoes. So I think we do, we relate to Jesus and we relate to God in our sickness, and we do ask those questions. And sometimes it is a lifestyle issue. Sometimes it is an emotional issue. And... Um, it's really fascinating if you look at some of the causes of sickness and um, y you know there's there's all this stuff that um, that you can look at uh, about sickness of course when I trained you know these are the causes of sickness uh, 
congenital or acquired. So it's called the surgical sieve. Okay, I'll teach you some medicine. Hmm. So it's either something you were born with, congenital or acquired, something that you got after you were born. If it's acquired, then there's this whole list of causes of sickness, infection, inflammation, uh, tumour, can't remember them now, but trauma, you know, accidents, all this kind of stuff. And I think the really interesting thing is if you look at the, you understand the word physiology, the effect on your body of certain things. And um, they do this research now into um, the consequences on your body of certain um, certain things. I can't find my list. This is why I'm not actually a, a, a very strong on Paula Jane's servanthood, because I don't stick to my notes when I'm teaching and only teach from notes, you see. Um, so if you look at things like um, the consequences on your body, like of your immune system or on your heart rate or your adrenal glands of fear, anxiety, unforgiveness, bitterness, hatred, it actually has a proven effect on your body. So you know, it's to do with like your adrenal glands producing too much adrenaline and putting in a hyper state of anxiety and it's real, there's a real effect and, and on your immune system, um, you know, things like grief actually lowers your immune system, things that happen, you know, your response to things actually means your immune system isn't working. So it's amazing when you look at it because all the things that God says don't do, don't worry, don't be anxious, don't doubt, don't be fearful, actually Part of it is him saying, it's not good for you. It's really not good. I made your bodies and I know what it looks like if you do these things. So I think there's a whole part of sickness that you, you know, you do have to say to God, is there something in this? And if God says it's unforgiveness, then deal with your unforgiveness. That doesn't mean to say you were cursed. It doesn't mean to say it just, it's just physiology. It's just the reality of how God how God made us. So I think we do have some responsibility for our sickness and I think we do have to ask God, is there, is there something? Is there something I'm missing? Is it something that I'm, I am unaware of? And I think I think that is part of the process of allow. I just think if you call it a curse, then I just struggle a bit now with my theology because he became a curse for us. And um, is that okay? I, I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with you. I'm just tired of that kind of ministry. Because it takes an enormous, enormous amount of time. And Jesus didn't do it. But if it sets people free, I have no problem with that at all. And it does set people free. I know people who have been set free from it. But I believe they can be as set free by believing the truth or laying hands. But I think what happens is you... You, it's like sozo, isn't it? You, you need a truth. You need something in exchange for the, for the lie. Otherwise, you don't renew your mind. Otherwise, you don't. And and if that exchange of truth is, I'm no longer living in a curse now. If that's how it works, if Alal sets people free by them thinking I'm set free from that, then that's why it's working. Not because there's a mechanical thing that has set them free, but they've just changed their belief system. Or changed their, you know, I don't know. But I'm not against it, I'm just not going to join. That's all. But 
say people do definitely get set free. So, <clears throat> Jesus on the cross. So, is it true that we were already set free back in the Old Testament days? They were actually already free from all of these curses because it had already been. Because the lamb was slain before the foundation yeah, of the world. Yeah. I, I, it's beyond me to understand this. I think we are in time and God deals with us in time. So at the time they were under the law, they were under the law. Okay. Um, but for their eternal consequence, the eternal what happens to those, I think there is that eternal reality of Christ dying before the foundation of the earth. Because yeah. so, because I, I can't that, answer that makes, your question because what it's... that makes me think is that, you know, if Jesus had, had already done it, him coming to do it was just a symbol of what no, was already done. No, he did done. do it at that time. It was and in it the was heart of. And it was literally like that weekend things yeah. changed. Yeah. Yes, except God doesn't limit Himself to time. No. So within the spiritual realms, there isn't a limitation of time. Uh-huh. So I think for us on Earth. Yes, that is relevant, and it was relevant to them. Uh-huh. But I think in the eternal spiritual... But my little brain cannot understand that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I don't try and understand it. Okay. Um, right. Uh, okay, there's more. I, I just, you know, we've talked about Isaiah 53. These are just the scriptures. Isaiah 53 is a prophecy of Isaiah of Jesus on the cross. And he bore our griefs and sorrows. He carried our sickness and pain. And he was bruised for our iniquities. Chastisement of his peace was on him. And by his stripes we are healed. Okay. That means when he was whipped, that was the... Whatever happened there was part of the cost of our healing. Okay. So it's done already. Matthew 8 says, um, verse 16, he says, When they had come, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled that was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. So when Jesus healed the sick and cast out demons, he was fulfilling what Isaiah had said, and that now quotes Isaiah 53. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. You see, Jesus is doing it before he went to the cross in fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah 53. I give up. Okay, I give up. But, you know, here he was healing the sick before he went to the cross as to fulfill that prophecy of what would happen at the cross. Whatever, we're after the cross, and therefore we're really in a good position. We don't even have to worry about whether it was before time or after time. We're after, time. We're after the event. and um, so, um, so Jesus fulfilled that scripture. He fulfilled it at the cross, and he fulfilled it by healing. He didn't fulfill it by forgiving sin only. He fulfilled it by healing. And therefore... Uh, what, what we'll do next time is, I think as a body, as the church, we have missed out half the gospel. So we preach a gospel of forgiveness of sin, but not of healing of the sick. So we say to people, come to Jesus, your sin will be forgiven, full stop. But actually, throughout the scriptures, it's your sin is forgiven and your body is healed. And um, 
Jesus healed the sick as part of that demonstration of what he would do. And even even um, David in Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all my sin and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? This is David, Old Testament before the cross. And he had this revelation. And then Psalm 103 continues, redeems your life from destruction, crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles, and on and on it goes. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removed our transgressions from us. How does David know? That's what I want to know. So Psalm 103 is also talking about the reality that we live in. I think they could have lived in that reality. I think so. But some, they were under the, the bondage more, of the law. But some of the, yeah. the people who understood their, their freedom in God. Yeah. Which David did, because <clears throat> he wrote the law all the time and Absolutely. still talked about all this stuff. Of course. <laughs> but it was just unfortunate at that time. They had asked for the law, and they God says, you want the law? I'll yeah. show you what it takes to live by the law. But maybe because of our evolution as, as a mm. people, as a human race, they weren't prepared for this kind of information at that time. I don't know. Just because yeah. of culturally where they were at. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. And I think I've, I've told you this, I've talked about this scripture before, but... Um, I'll just, for completeness, tell it you again. It says, um, so this is 1 Peter 2, uh, talking about the suffering of Christ. Um, 23. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him, God, who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Okay, it's past tense. Before it's uh, before in Isaiah, it's not yet past tense, but this is now past tense. You were healed. So that's the Old Testament summary of the theology of healing. It was always there. It was always God's heart. It was foretold in the prophets and in the types of Israel that the cross would provide healing. And um, it's just a part of the part of the deal. So next time we'll talk about what it says in the New Testament. Any more questions? I am happy to answer questions. Um, so we have in Germany also um, we have a few people with healing ministries, and um, yeah, I don't think they are well known, but. Um, one of my friends was a, like an intern um, and so was on tour with one of them and he said for example um, if, if people have often uh, head aches, it's often because they uh, I don't know how you say it in English but in Germany we would say they want to go with their head through the wall and yeah, so they always want to be stubborn, maybe. Or... Yeah, they always want to be that everybody's going into their what they mean to do.
to everybody. So okay. they always want everybody to do what they want to okay. do. Yeah. You say also a uh, thick pot, like a, a thick head. Thick head. Yeah. Like arrogant and self-righteous. Yeah, they, they always want to know. I want to do this. And yeah. He says it's, it's often if people have headaches, it's things Head like headaches. this. Headaches. Headaches. Yeah. It's, uh, There's a book like written of which I cannot remember the name or the author at this minute in time. It's written by a doctor. And it goes through the whole, I'm not sure if it's that's what this is talking about, but it goes through the whole um, set of diseases. So this doctor's kind of taken every disease. Is it Christian? Yeah. I'll remember it in a minute, the name. Um, and he. Um, goes to the extent that if you've got right breast cancer, it's because you've got a problem with your mom and your female side of the family. If you've got left breast cancer, it's because you've got a problem with this or this or this. You know, if you've got... <sighs> is there any truth in it? Probably. Probably there is an element of truth in it. But I don't think it can be so prescriptive. Because what happens if you do have right breast cancer and you don't have a problem with your mom? Yeah, he's, he's not saying that it's always, always that, yeah. but he says it's just often. I think one of those, it's one of those things of, you know, well, do I just have to go to God and say, is there something here? Mm. Is there something about me, my, you know, my not yet living in the wholeness that you have for me? Um, it, and, and it boils down to the physiology side of things because yes if I'm anxiously you know insisting you do my thing then I'm not really loving very well so there's going to be bodily consequences to my heart rate my endocrine system my immune system which might do that my blood pressure or whatever um, so um, yes I, I know that but my response would be Jesus didn't do it. So Jesus didn't set up a hospital for the sick with all these different departments. The department of casting out curses, the department of generational curses, the department of, you know, sort, sorting out your life issues. However, I think our lifestyle does definitely influence our health. So yes, if you are anxious and fearful about everything, to be honest, you are going to get stress-related disease. And what is the answer to that? Well, it's probably not taking tranquilizers. It's probably dealing with what has made you anxious and fearful in the first place. So I think, I think there is a, um, I think there's a, there is a reality in it, but I don't think it can become a theology. Um, so I'm a bit through with that as well, to be honest. But I'm not saying there's nothing in it. I think it, the problem is it becomes a theology and it becomes a separate ministry and it becomes something that becomes separate from the work of the cross. And it becomes this whole so-called spiritual wisdom that then somehow, eventually, if you're not careful, you're dependent on that and not dependent on the cross. I'm not saying there's no value in it. Just saying it has to be held with people make careers out of it. And Jesus told us to go lay hands on the sick and they recover. Not to make a career out of developing a new system of Christian healing. 
if people get healed with that, that's just absolutely fantastically great. Because God is good, and God will do what he wants to do, you know, through any means that he can. And if somebody is looking to God for healing and ends up in that kind of a ministry, God is going to touch them because that's who God is. But that doesn't mean to say it's because they got the right formula for healing. So, along those lines, do you think all sicknesses are of the mind? <laughs> I think all sicknesses of the mind. Of, of literally of belief, of, of, you know, all the things that are connected to our perception of the world through our minds. Okay, I'm not going to say all sickness, okay. um, but I do think it is a really significant issue and I think that's why we are transformed by the renewing of our mind and that our salvation includes our body and therefore yes we are transformed by the renewing of our mind which is why I think some of these ministries work because it just helps us to change the way we think and if you think I'm not under that curse anymore then actually you're going to get better even if you weren't under a curse at the beginning because you just set free in your in your thinking um what is this book called? I know exactly what it looks like. Oh, a, a More Excellent Way, it's called. A More Excellent Way. There's uh, loads uh, and hundreds of ministries out there, yeah. hundreds of them telling you what to do. Um, a More Excellent Way. Um, spiritual Roots of Disease, Pathways to Wholeness. Uh... Henry Wright. It's an interesting book. And I think if you are struggling with a disease, I don't have a problem with you going and looking what Henry Wright says. Even if he says, unforgiveness of your brother, then go forgive your brother. You know, it's not it's not a sin, is it? It's not. But I think it's it's not um, I just think you hold it lightly, otherwise you end up with this whole ministry that is built up and people build their careers on it and People, people do well with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like Louise Hay, have you heard of her? She's in the New Age community. She has a book called You Can Heal Yourself, um, which is literally listing. Uh, right. Again, she's like, Spirit has told me that eczema has to do with stress or yeah. something like that. So if you find ways to bring stress down in your life, yeah. you'll find that your eczema goes. I mean, a stressed person, I don't think, but my ex was still here. Yeah. So, <laughs> clearly it doesn't work, but... Well... <clears throat> or maybe I am, to some level. And... I mean, I think we're human beings, aren't we? And yes, we are new creation human beings, and yes, yeah. we have a great potential to live in the fullness of that potential. Yeah. Um, but we are... Still, that is by faith. It's still, you know, not yet given to us because we don't yet have our glorified bodies. And I think in heaven we're not going to be talking about these issues because it's not going to be a thing. Or, and, you know, but m my kind of heart is that we restore back to the church the, the power to lay hands on the sick and people get healed. But healing and wholeness are, are different things, really, because you can lay hands on the sick and they can be healed but that's why Jesus said to the guy at the pool you know he said 
he, he laid hands on him, healed him, and he said, go and sin no more, lest something worse happens. Mm. So even he healing with laying hands on the sick is not the complete answer, because people still need to live in the wholeness that is theirs to have. They still need to make good life choices and live in the reality of, of their new creation reality. So, so it's not as simple as that. And that's why I think some of these ministries work, because they bring wholeness. It's not because they are dealing with an Old Testament reality. It's because they actually just bring wholeness to people. And that's great. I think there's nothing wrong with people being set free from lies, fears, whatever. So I think that's partly what's happening. I love her though. Don't report me too little. <laughs> I'm just not going to sign up to minister with them. Is so-so the, sorry. Have we finished, or are you? Yeah.